Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. My name is Earl Lewis, and I serve as the Thomas C. Holt Distinguished University Professor of History, Afro-American and African Studies and Public Policy, and I also am the Director of the Center for Social Solutions. So the Center for Social Solutions was created at the University of Michigan in 2018. At that time, I had decided to step down from being president of the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation in New York City. And I was contemplating where I wanted to go next. And I knew what I wanted to do next, which was to create the center. I had been on the faculty at the University of Michigan for 15 years from 1989 until 2004. And then I left in 2004 to be the provost at Emory University in Atlanta and spent about nine years there before going on to the Mellon Foundation. So I was away for about 14 years. And I came back with the idea we'll create this center and it will work on four uh, different issues for the next decade. The first was diversity and democracy. The second was slavery and its aftermath. The third was uh, water and water security. And the fourth was the dignity of labor in an automated world. And so I came back and someone said to me, only four? And I jokingly said, yeah, one, I would get bored. So I needed at least four things uh, that occupy me for the next decade, at which point I plan to go off payroll. So over the course of the spring uh, into the early summer, uh, Luke Schaefer and I, Luke who directs the Poverty Solutions activities at the University of Michigan and I started having conversations uh, the both of us were looking at what was happening around the country and the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd and, and the shooting of Breonna Taylor. We were reminded of the deep in depths of continuing racial hostility, if not outright racism in American life. And realizing that as research enterprises, uh, we had something to offer. And it was not just the work that we could produce, but the works that others could produce. And so here we decided that perhaps one of the best things we could do is serve as an engine uh, to invite others to come and use their own brain power, thought uh, power, and other resources to actually begin to tackle uh, really what is an interlaced and complex problem uh, that faces all of humankind, particularly in the United States. And so we did two things. We pulled some of our resources and then we went uh, hat in hand uh, to others across the university to ask if they would contribute. And with that, we were able to create a pool of dollars that then we went out to the community and said, we invite uh, our colleagues uh, to submit grant applications for up to $50,000 to help for a research agenda related to combating racism. Well, basically we were hoping that these would be faculty who were not just gonna study the problem, but who actually had um, come some forms of solutions uh, to the problems. And so that they were actually somewhat action oriented where research and action came together in a ways to try to improve the world. Uh, ultimately, that's what we sought. And fortunately for us, we had uh, 21 takers, that is, 21 collections of individuals across uh, the Ann Arbor campus, 11 of the schools and colleges uh, had representatives, and then also from the University of Michigan Flint. So in the end, we wish we could have funded more. Uh, we had uh, enough resources to fund six of the 21 uh, proposals from the outset, and they represented uh, faculty from essentially three units uh, overly represented. Some may say it was LSNA, uh, the College of Literature Sciences and the Arts, 
but we also had faculty recipients from the School of Education and from the University of Michigan at Flint. Uh, and they range the sort of gamut. There's a proposal here, in the, uh, one uh, dealing with anti-Asian racism and the ways in which the whole COVID situation invited people to begin to label it and create a narrative around uh, what it meant to be Asian and to be the carriers of disease. And so our colleagues here wanted to begin to sort of probe both the creation of that narrative, how it attached itself to historical narratives and the ways in which one can interrupt it uh, to begin to uh, really wrestle with the whole question of what it means uh, to be anti-racist and, and not just uh, promoting a certain kind of stereotypes uh, and all. So that was one example. Another one um, had to do uh, more with what you may say math. That is the algorithms that went into uh, creating uh, districts uh, for polling purposes and for election purposes. And so how do we begin to look at the science uh, that's around uh, redistricting and what it means to actually use and mobilize uh, math and science uh, to create advantage and disadvantage uh, in the political space. Uh, and that's an interesting way to begin to think about how to tackle uh, anti-racism. When we put out the call, you always put out a call and hope people will respond. And so part of what we're able to tap was both an energy and a desire to make a difference. And so when we realized that our colleagues not only heard, uh, but responded, uh, that was encouraging. Two, there were uh, areas that we wish we could have funded, particularly on the pedagogical side. And so we will look at some future day to actually uh, support our colleagues who want to change the ways in which we teach. Uh, at both the undergraduate, graduate, and the professional levels across our various uh, institutions. So that was key. The third thing I would say is that in looking at uh, these grants and thinking about the response from our colleagues, we're reminded that there are good ideas resident across uh, this big complex institution called the University of Michigan. Uh, and sometimes what you need to do is open a door and give people the freedom and the latitude to come out and say, I have a solution. I have a way of actually working on something. And I think what was heartening was to see uh, the variety. I mean, one of my favorite ones is one on about the Detroit River uh, and the, the stories and narratives about who constructs stories about the river and whether it becomes along the river scenes and sites of danger uh, or uh, sites of beauty and opportunity. Those particular narratives actually uh, overlay with histories uh, about slavery in Detroit, uh, about migration uh, to Detroit, uh, about racial violence in Detroit, et cetera. They all become attached. How we actually liberate those stories uh, then is tied uh, to the work, uh, um, in this case, one particular project, but it laces through all the projects. They all believe uh, that we can actually uh, develop new solutions uh, that uh, really stem from the work done by colleagues in a variety of fields. As I, I mentioned in my introduction, at one point in my life, I directed, I was the president of the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. And what these array of projects reminds me is the fact that um, solutions to really key what I would refer to as gnarly problems uh, can't be sequestered in the domain of any one area of expertise. This is not a scientist or an engineer's or information specialist way of answering a question or a humanist or a social scientist. And what we see here from just this small set of six, a variety of ways of trying to approach the question 
of how do you begin to address and combat racism in our lives. And there's a project on mathematics, uh, for instance, uh, and the ways in which Black families responded uh, to COVID uh, and the ways in which the teaching and the reteaching of mathematics and both enabled uh, them uh, to ensure that students are educated, but then the hurdles and the impediments there. I mean, that's quite different than the story about uh, the narratives about Detroit. And it's even different from a story about uh, Genesee County and uh, where in, in and around the University of Michigan Flint, racism has been declared a public health uh, hazard. And that, that the institutions, all of them, need to begin to address it as a public health hazard. This multi-pronged approach, I think, leads us down a path where we'll come up with not one solution, but multiple solutions uh, to a condition we created hundreds of years ago. The Center for Social Solutions has a webpage, and I invite anyone listening uh, to go and visit it uh, and spend a little time perusing it. We are working in a variety of areas. We have a book series with Princeton University Press on the value of diversity for a prosperous democracy called Our Compelling Interest. And so you'll see and gain some insight into that book series and uh, what we've already produced and what we plan to produce. Uh, we are working on um, with others around the world on a topic we call the third slavery. When we talk about slavery in its aftermath, most Americans uh, think about the institution of chattel slavery that so dominated America and American history for 250 years, and not realizing that some 27 to 40 million people worldwide today uh, are in some form of involuntary servitude, not only uh, in other parts of the world, um, but in our very backyard. And so we have labeled uh, that system of involuntary servitude today the third slavery. And so the third slavery is a way for us to begin to pull together a range of things. Uh, when we talk about water and water security and how we begin to think not only about the Flint problem, but the threat of flooding around the world. And how do we begin to think about, is it possible, for instance, to move water from flood prone areas to drought stricken areas? Uh, we live in, in this hyper world where we have too much of both. In some places, too much water. In other places, uh, too little water. And then if you want to think about an issue that really should captivate all of us is the dignity of labor in an automated world. McKinsey has issued a series of reports that suggest that by 2030, some 40, 400 million people worldwide will have lost their jobs due to automation. And they estimate somewhere between 39 and 54 million in the United States. Uh, if that's not a issue that should captivate all of us and force us to ask, so what's on the other side of that possibility? Uh, and then uh, you're not paying attention to what's critical. So I invite all of your listeners to just take a peek at what we're trying to suggest, the questions that we are posing, uh, the solutions that we've begun to tentatively offer uh, and invite them uh, to partner with us as we look to the future. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.